Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Monday morning, the 28th of August. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. A headline in the Irish Independent this morning might catch your eye. Hope for winter energy bills as electricity prices cut again. Charlie Weston's story tells us that cuts announced by Pin Energy may herald a raft of price cuts from competing suppliers. In fact, the paper tells us to expect more cuts in the coming weeks. It won't be a day too soon for many people who are struggling to pay or simply unable to pay. This news comes on foot of last week's finding that Ireland is the most expensive country in Europe for electricity with customers paying about €1,000 more than on average in other European countries. Let's speak once again to Sinn Féin TD, Darren O'Rourke for me. A very good morning to you and thank you indeed uh, as always for joining us on uh, the programme this morning. Uh, I suppose there's good news today and it looks like there's more good news on the way but the question you're asking is why is electricity so expensive in this country or probably more to the point uh, as to whether we should take the answer to that question that we've been receiving up to now at face value. Absolutely Michael and I think you know that headline today in the Irish Independent is, is welcome but it's it's one supplier. Um, it's uh, um, it's 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 a cut in a bill, but it, it would would still leave Irish bills way in excess of of um, of, of European counterparts, way above the, the European average. Where we're at on average eighty percent above the, the European average as things stand. That's cut from Pinergy um, would would still have us significantly above the European average, and and I think. We, we have to ask the question, why is that the case? Mm. Um, we hear that there are a number of factors, but I think, I think for, for me, Michael, and, and we've done some research on this uh, within Sinn Féin in the, in the last number of, of weeks, um, I, I think it's, it's quite incredible that we have a situation where senior government uh, figures, uh, Leo Varadkar as far back as the 28th of, of February, um, saying that the wholesale price of, of energy, the reductions in the wholesale price should be passed on to consumers. Um, uh, in the middle of May, the finance minister, Michael McGrath, said that there was no adequate explanation as to why those savings weren't passed on. And I, I think it's 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 an incredible situation that you have that yeah. that you you have. But what savings? Uh, I mean, therein uh, lies your question. Uh, I think as to whether we believe the story coming from the suppliers or not, or whether that should be scrutinised. Uh, I think is the way that you're phrasing it, because the reason uh, they can't bring down 
the cost of electricity or gas or the reason why um, they're not using the savings on that is because there are no savings. That's their case. They say that they bought uh, their supplies months ago when they were at all-time highs and uh, it'll take some time uh, before that stock runs out and they get on to cheaper stock and can pass on the cuts. Yeah, and, and that's the point that's been made. So so there's there's a number of factors. There are other factors that might contribute to, to higher costs in Ireland uh, and I think we can accept some of that. We're at the end of the, you know, we're an island off the island of, 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 of mainland Europe. Um, uh, we were, we're a smaller market, right, relatively speaking. Um, but, but principally, it's this practice of hedging, of the way that uh, gas and electricity is bought into the future. And, the, you know, this is an accepted practice within uh, the, the European market, um, within the British market, which, which Ireland is a part of. And it does serve, in, in principle, to buffer people from, uh, you know, uh, um, erratic variations within the market. The, the problem that, that I have um, is that we, we, we then have a situation for, for literally months on end where our elected uh, 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 government, uh, where our regulator acts as commentators. We hope to see, at some stage in the future, uh, the price reductions passed on with absolutely no transparency, no accountability um, in the system. So, mm. so we literally are forced because of in my opinion, the weakness of the regulation, the weakness of government to ensure that the regulator has the power, mm. and we literally have to take it at face value. What, the what, what's the weakness in the regulation? Because there's a regulator, an independent regulator, independent of the government uh, that looks at the prices we're being charged and why uh, it is uh, so expensive uh, for the energy companies uh, to buy in their stocks uh, uh, and if those prices we're being charged is justified. So where's the fall down in all of that? So, so the weakness, as I see it, uh, in relation to the the regulator in the first instance, and, and bear in mind, like the regulator doesn't have influence on the standing charges. You know, that's something that's gone back to the start of this, the, the conflict in Ukraine that people were really frustrated with. But also the regulator doesn't have oversight on these hedging practices. So, so, so I would ask the question, like when does legitimate hedging practices that hopefully protect consumers end and profiteering and price gouging start and you know i mightn't as you know a member of the public or an opposition spokesperson have have oversight in relation to that but i would hope the regulator mm. and the government by by extension have oversight in relation to that and, and when i specifically asked the regulator asked the Oireachtas Committee on the 9th of May, do you have oversight of the hedging practices of, of the energy companies? They said, no, but we know they have hedging hedging strategies. So, mm. so, so for me, that's not... But we, we don't know what it means. So if our energy supplier says, well, um, we bought the gas or whatever six months ago, we don't know if that's true or false. Exactly, and or when you know, so the, the the idea is, you know, you buy into the future, and and mm. you know, you maybe buy at a high price back at last last August, and you have to wait for that, those high prices to to wash through the system. But when did they wash through? And this idea, and even going back to that Irish Independent article this mm. morning, like the expectation now is that because Pinergy have moved, because you know entered the the, the, the market last week that everybody else is going to move. You know, so that... Mm. You well, know, they'll it, have it, to. It, it, uh, because, uh, I mean, Charlie Weston reports in the Independent today that this is going to result in savings of about €220 Euro a year for Irish families. 
Yeah, but but it, but it also it, it raises the question. You know, could they have moved earlier? Mm. Could they have moved three or four months ago? Why do they have to? You know, so but the rest of them will have to move now, or else customers will all move to Pin Energy. I take it. Yeah. So so it's, it's, so it, so so again, it raises the question: Is that healthy competition in the market, or is it is you know is it cartel-like practice? Is it you know monopolisation within the market? Is it anti-competitive practices? You know, y- y- you might reasonably ask why they didn't move to pass on those lower wholesale prices in, in if not February, March, April, May, June? Um, was it the case that they were, they, they were you know, uh, uh, holding on to additional profits, to excess profits, and then when Pinergy make a move, everybody else falls in line? So, mm-hmm. so, so for me, it's a matter of transparency and accountability. So I, I, I made that point in relation to standing charges, I think we need a similar sort of monitoring and oversight in relation to to uh, hedging practices, but also we need increased reporting. We look at we looked at other energy regulators across Europe and in, mm. in Britain, in Germany, and France, and looked at their reporting strategies. And they're they're reporting a lot more forensic detail of the the functioning of the energy market in in those countries. They're reporting on a quarterly basis, outlining the prices. Uh, in some instances, outlining the, the hedging strategies that mm. that that are, that are being used, and we don't have that at all. We don't have it from from the the regulator. We have commentary from from the government, but 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 no empowerment of the regulator. Okay, these cuts being announced today are cuts of nine and a half percent. You said in your statement that wholesale gas prices are at a, a two-year low. If the cuts in wholesale prices had been passed on, uh, would it be in line with? That cut of nine and a half percent, or what should it be? Do you think? No, it should be an it should be an excess of that. Now, of course, we have to look and see what what the what this winter will bring in terms of of uh, um, in terms of gas prices, and, and we see in terms of liquid fuels, in terms of, of of oil and kerosene, that there is some concern that the, there will be a, a challenge in terms of of uh, supply over the winter. But in terms of of gas. Um, I know the the prices were were at a, an all time low in June, and they look like they're creeping back up. But by all accounts, the the storage as as a, a European wide level is is ahead of what's been expected. That there is con- significant capacity within the system, so so we shouldn't see a, a, a well. I would hope that we wouldn't see a, 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 a an increase in terms of of the cost of gas. Mm. Um, so so at that two-year low um I, you know I, I think there's there's more to, to to go in terms of price reductions but again it's not for me to make that call it's for a robust uh, and uh, energetic regulator to ensure that there is adequate competition in the market and that there isn't anti-competitive mm. practices and that there isn't price gouging and profiteering that's the, okay. the role of the regulator well, compare us to, to, to the rest of Europe because you said there's differences uh, and that it might be more expensive uh, to produce electricity for customers here and it may need to be more expensive in, in this country than in other European countries but a thousand euro more than the average that customers across Europe are, are paying. Should it be a thousand euro or to put that another way, uh, as I mentioned, these pin energy cuts uh, will be the equivalent of 220 euro. Should we be reducing by a thousand euro or somewhere between 220 and a thousand? 
I think we should. So, so, and you know, and I'd like to hear from the regulator or for somebody else to to, to prove me wrong. But uh, you know, I, I accept that there are a number of factors that drive up the cost in Ireland. I've, I've mentioned some of those. But for me, it is not reasonable for the European average to, uh, for a unit of electricity, but to be around twenty two cent, and for a unit of electricity in Ireland to be forty one cent. And this, the you know, you know, and. Uh, um, uh, uh, reduction would bring it in around 38 cent. But if we're saying um, 22 cent versus 38 cent, I, I, I don't accept that that's a, a reasonable Irish penalty, a levy for, for, for the Irish mm. uh, energy market. So I, I, I do believe that there is move uh, room for, for significant reduction in, in, in energy prices. Um, and, I, and I do believe it's it's important for the uh, for the regulator and for the government to mm. introduce a, 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 a significant degree of transparency and accountability in relation to this because ultimately we want to achieve a significant energy transition we need to move people to renewables we need, need to re- move our electricity grid and our en- energy system to renewables and people will not literally will not buy it if there is no benefit in terms of the cost of, of electricity and energy um, if these are, you know, punitive, uh, really, really high charges that force people into poverty, force people into energy poverty, you know, force people to fail to, to make ends meet, um, you know, force people to go to MABS, St. Vincent, Vincent de Paul, increasing numbers in arrears, increasing numbers in disconnection. That's, a, that's in my opinion, yeah. a a, a, a market failure, a mm. system failure, a failure of the regulator and a failure of government. Indeed, we spoke to St. Vincent de Paul about uh, the pressure that uh, these sky-high prices is putting on people and that €1,000 that we're paying more uh, on average uh, for European customers. Uh, I, I take it, like the rest of us, you're a bit taken aback by that statistic uh, but you want more of it more of that type of information that is and you want uh, the CRU to report on prices here uh, and what's being paid in Europe every three months I, I do absolutely there's a number of things that we've called for you know strengthen the, the powers of CRU to monitor and regulate hedging practices to monitor anti-competitive behaviour give them an expanded role in consumer protection we want them to publish on a monthly basis the average price of natural gas and, and electricity supply and the average margin made by the by the companies. And we want to, want them, as, as you say there, to publish a quarterly report on the functioning of the, the retail electricity and, and gas market and that that report should examine the changes in prices paid by domestic uh, uh, business and, and uh, domestic customers. So, so really to shine a light on what's happening because I think it, there's a, a fundamental question and, and look I, I have published legislation two pieces of legislation that would be helpful for government to pick up on one is in relation to empowering the the, the regulator to uh, regulate standing charges this week we'll publish legislation in relation to hedging practices but we've also published a, a piece of legislation to uh, to focus directly on the high cost of, of renewables and the high cost of, of energy in Ireland and um, there's a call from the sector here, from the energy sector, particularly the renewables energy sector, to say, you know, we're supposed to be the ones uh, uh, for the future, um, but it won't be sustainable if we continue to pay the high prices. It won't be con- uh, sustainable from a consumer's point of view, and it won't be sustainable from a, an energy provider's point of view. So that high cost of energy in Ireland 
um, needs to be addressed and you know government can continue to act as as commentators in relation to it and they have to empower the regulator because my concern two things in relation to the regulator one is that they don't have have adequate powers and two that they don't mm. vigorously implement and use the powers that they already have and they have powers in relation to uh, investigating anti-competitive practices and profiteering but mm they're acting like a, a commentator at this point in time and that's not acceptable and, and I, I believe that that's you know I, I, I might suggest that that's mm. because they you know the energy system hey, is hey. in a quite a volatile uh, 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 position at you, the you, you sound very cynical uh, do you believe uh, that we're being sold a, a pup here with this uh, are, are, are the energy suppliers pulling the wall over our eyes trying to let on that they bought their gas at much more expensive prices than is actually the truth? I, I don't know. I, but, but one thing I would say is I believe that is a possibility. Um, I, I also know that the ESRI um, have said that if prices didn't reduce within 6 and 12 months and we're, we're close to the 12 months at this stage, that the, the regulator should invest, investigate for, for anti-competitive practices, which is a, a significant statement to make. I think it's a problem that we don't have transparency in relation to it. I think, you know, it, it undermines the, you know, social solidarity. Um, it undermines the, the energy transition. So for me, it's about empowering the regulator and mandating the regulator to go and ensure that we have transparency and accountability and we don't have the regulator on the one hand and the government on the other acting like commentators when people are to the absolute pin mm. of their collar and have no trust in the, the system at all. I, I, I can okay. say whatever about me, I, I can mm. be absolutely sure people feel like they're getting ripped off here. Um, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I don't remember it uh, uh, very well myself. Uh, vague memory, text coming in asking a, a question about a €50 euro refund. I don't know if you remember that we were to get a €50 euro yeah. refund. Uh, text says everybody, uh, every household in the country was due to get that from ESB Networks, but that was last year, not a, a mention of it since. Uh, the caller also says uh, they've been allowed to rip us off and the government failed consistently to do anything uh, about it. Uh, any recollection of that €50 euro refund? Yeah, it hasn't materialised. It was a refund, and bear in mind what it was in relation to. It was a large energy user subsidy that the uh, that Eamon Ryan brought in when he was a minister at the at the you know the, the start of, of the last decade, um, which essentially was a subsidy for large energy users for data centres and for others that were, you know, so so they were being subsidised, uh, getting a, a preferential rate on the back of domestic and other business customers. Um, that was deemed unfair, uh, so was so was withdrawn. But actually, um, it was recognised then that there was a miscalculation and that people were actually overburdened in in the in the region of of to a value of fifty fifty euros per per domestic customer. Mm. The, that hasn't been returned yet, and it's something that we continue to pursue. Um, it's you know the, the 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 regular points towards the you know the reporting cycle and uh, clarification in terms of the information, but that needs to be returned as as, as soon as is possible okay. and something that that we're continuing to pursue. But it's another example mm. of you know an, an unfairness within the 
within the energy system here that, that needs to be addressed. We have it in other areas as well, like the public service obligation, the standing charges. They're not fair charges, they're aggressive charges, and that needs to be straightened out amongst other things. All right, we'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you indeed, as always, for joining us on the programme today. That is Darren O'Rourke, who's the Sinn Féin spokesperson for Climate Action and the Environment TD for Meath East. Michael Reed on LMFM. Thanks to the listener in Avenue who says, Michael, the Hungarian and Austrian energy authorities have surveyed cost and Irish energy users are paying €900 Euro average more than the rest of Europe. Government and the CRU are doing nothing about this rip-off despite the reduction in gas prices. My ESB electricity bill went up from 310 to 430 for June and July at a time when low-use summer time uh, was an operation. Shame on them, robbing people just because they're allowed to, says the Navin listener. Thank you indeed uh, for your strong comment. Uh, somebody else uh, sending me in a photograph saying it's in follow-up to last week's show. It's a photograph of a customs vehicle parked on a footpath, forcing pedestrians out onto the road. Uh, it's a very interesting photograph hard to argue with it uh, and I'm not sure if uh, there was any justification for that or extenuating circumstances that we don't know about or can't see uh, in the photograph but thanks for sending that on to us John Conlon in Cartown Bally McKenney says why did it take so long to reduce energy prices a new supplier was announced last week to me that seems to be the reason why the prices were reduced says John thanks as always John for uh, your message to the programme today or phone number 041-983-2000 text or WhatsApp 086-1800-658 email michael at lmfm.ie and I want to bring you a couple of the emails uh, that have come to us since our last programme James uh, thank you very much indeed James says hi Michael following on from Justine McCarthy's article in the Irish Times and your continuing coverage at LMFM uh, on uh, Brother Edmund Garvey and uh, victims of child sexual abuse at the hands of Christian brothers and the legal strategy that the brothers have now which obstructs them from getting redress and as to whether the freedom of Drogheda should be rescinded from Brother Garvey as a result of that. James goes on to say, I moved to Drogheda some years ago and have heard many accounts of uh, the Christian brothers and the difficulties for some students that attended there. The lack of empathy and engagement from our current councillors, many of whom were raised in the town, is hard to believe. The circling of the wagons can cause great difficulties for those seeking the truth. We have witnessed this at our local hospital from those who you might thought would have known better. The Christian Brothers and their legal strategy have brought this to a new low level. Thank you, James, for that. Uh, another email from Mark Shinnick, who's a principal in Dublin City, uh, and sent me on a message that he sent to Damien O'Farrell, who is the spokesperson for the victims, uh, saying, a short text to wish you the strength and courage to continue your important and symbolic request to rescind freedom of Drogheda that was given to Brother Garvey. Thank you indeed for that. Another email. Uh, this is not to me, uh, but it's one that was copied to me. It's from Kenneth Grace. You may have heard of Kenneth Grace. This is the man who was flogged with a cat of nine tails in a dungeon by a perverted Christian brother in a leather tongue. 
um, uh, as part of years of ongoing abuse. Um, it's a letter that Kenneth Grace has written to Independent Councillor Kevin Callan. It's kind of a remarkable letter. It says, I'm one of these victims you won't make a comment on. You hadn't the time. I was abused and whipped. My abuser, a Christian brother, is in jail. I and my comrades reached out to you in October and December of last year. This is still going on. Brother Garvey's legal strategy to block our human rights. Not only have you failed to do anything to support us, you accuse us and our supporters of trying to turn Louth County Council into a kangaroo court. We have a right to be represented by Councillor Yor. She was the first one to stand up. I have been tasked to send a message to you from 14 victims of unimaginable child sexual abuse. There's a vote next week. You are not to vote to support us under any circumstances, even if you have the casting vote. I'm just going to read that line again. This is Kenneth Grace to Independent Councillor Kevin Callan. You are not to vote to support us under any circumstances, even if you have the casting vote. Do not vote for us. Vote for Brother Garvey. We refuse to be used by you. We have been used by too many people. You should be ashamed of yourself. I pray none of your people ever experience what we have. All other votes to stand in solidarity with us are welcome. As I say, that's uh, a victim of Brother Paul Hendrick, who wrote to independent Kevin Callan, uh, Ken Grace, uh, who says... Do not support us under any circumstances. Uh, We made contact with Kevin Callan about that this morning. Kevin Callan said, Michael, I've already told you no comment. So we won't be hearing any more about that. Uh, We had... um, two Labour councillors uh, who were not certain about which way they would vote. There's three councillors who will have a, a vote. Um, uh, that's Michelle Hall, Emma Cutlip and P.O. Smith. But a statement from two of those councillors, Michelle Hall and Councillor Emma Cutlip, says that they're expecting to um, vote on this on the 4th of September, which is Monday week. It's an unprecedented situation. This decision has not been taken lightly and it was taken for multiple reasons and that is that the two Labour councillors will be supporting the motion to rescind the freedom of Drogheda from Brother Edmund Garvey. The ongoing commentary on this extremely sensitive issue is having a harmful effect on all victims and survivors of sexual abuse Uh, and they say uh, that um, they uh, won't be commenting until after the vote I think, uh, but they strongly oppose the offensive and damaging legal strategy deployed by the Christian Brother and urge the government to change the law to ensure that such strategies are prohibited. We're expecting uh, a statement um, from uh, the Minister for Justice uh, on that uh, at some stage this week. Uh, an interesting uh, and uh, unfortunate um, article then in the Irish Times today. Colm Keenan, who we spoke to last week, uh, reporting on this again, saying councillors urge not to remove the freedom of Drogheda from Brother Edmund Garvey by sex abuse support group chief, uh, urging them, as the headline says, not to remove the freedom of uh, Drogheda. Unforgivable intervention criticised by spokesperson for men who suffered at the hands of Christian brothers. That's Damien O'Farrell. The Board of Management of Dignity for Patients says it first learned of the contentious email on the 19th of August. We'll hear more of this about this later, but this is uh, the former chairperson of Dignity for Patients who wrote to councillors in Drogheda asking that the freedom of Drogheda would not be 
rescinded. Uh, and since then, Paul Murphy, the former chair, has resigned as the chair of Dignity for Patients. As I say, we'll hear more about that later in the programme. But Dignity for Patients are not happy and have disassociated themselves from the statement that Paul Murphy made in his email to the councillors and have asked them to think otherwise. Now, the Rape Crisis Network have also issued a statement on this saying that it also needs to be said that while the Astrosind is retrospective and has not been done previously, this is not only a conversation about the past. They say that it is a Appropriate now, in the view of the Rape Crisis Network of Ireland, that society should be free to judge whether they are morally correct in this matter. Uh, this is uh, the view of the Rape Crisis Network, uh, um, who, who recognise that Brother Edmund Garvey uh, is uh, not uh, guilty of any wrongdoing whatsoever, but has introduced this legally sound strategy, which is causing so many problems for victims. Uh, and they say that it's legitimate that the freedom of Drogheda is questioned. Anyway, as I say, we'll have more about that a little bit later on in the programme. You can phone us on 0419832000 if you want to comment, or text or WhatsApp 086 1800 658. Michael Reed on LMFM. Yeah, thanks uh, to Paddy, who's been on the phone to us. He says it's typical of Ireland Inc. that they are incapable or unwilling to manage properly. The hard fact is that since the regulator came in, there's been a constant upward trend in the cost of energy when it should have been the opposite. Who holds these people to account, he asks. That's where our Oroctus committees should be investigating. Thank you. Indeed, I think uh, they quite often have been in front of Darren O'Rourke and uh, the other members of the Oroctus Energy Committee. Uh, Sheila, in touch about the price of energy as well, Sheila says the government needs to do more to help tackle growing energy prices. People are being crucified by bills. They're just too high. We need urgent help from the powers that be, says Sheila. Well, thank you indeed uh, for your call, 0419832000 if you want to ring us today. Now, if you suffer from diabetes or cardiovascular disease, you may be interested in a free health check, or if you believe you're at risk of a chronic disease for that matter, you may be interested in taking a free health check. Let's hear a little bit more about how you can do that. Ashleen O'Donnell is the Healthy Ireland Coordinator for Mead and on the line. And a very good morning to you, Ashleen. Thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. You're offering free checks from Monday of next week. Tell us a little bit more, if you would, please. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so um, here in Mead County Council, we lead on a Healthy Mead programme. And we are piloting a chronic disease risk management program in three pharmacies um, in, in the Kells Municipal District starting from next Monday in association with Heart Month. So um, anybody who would be interested in, um, in attending a free health check can contact one of the participating pharmacies. Mm. So as I mentioned, there's uh, three pharmacies um, undertaking them. So one is called Kenless Total Health Pharmacy. We have Lynch's Total Health Pharmacy, and they're both in the, in the Kells area. And we also have McQuaid's Pharmacy, which is located in Old Castle. Okay, and uh, these checks will be available from Monday next week. Uh, for how long? Yeah, so the, the pilot programme is going to run for um, up until the end of December. So it's really um, 
uh, we're, we're really hoping to try and help people identify if they may have um, an illness. So mm. it's open to anybody um, between the age of 40 to 65 who has no previous diagnosis of cardiovascular disease or um, diabetes. Right. And as you mentioned, they're going to be um, freely available to, to the public. Uh, uh, and that's what you'd be looking at. Is it, or, um, uh, is it a full yeah. health check or... Yeah, so there's a number of um, health checks that are going to be, uh, that will take place as part of the service. So I'll just really quickly uh, talk you through them. So the okay. first one will be a general um, lifestyle assessment. So we'll look at things like physical activity, nutrition, sleep, um, you know, stress in, in that individual's life. Um, the pharmacist then will also provide um, a blood pressure and pulse rate check. Um, then following that, there'll be um, a cholesterol and blood sugar test. So these will be non-fasting, um, uh, simple blood tests that will take place. Um, and then the last test that will take place will be a waist circumference, which provides a measure of overweight and obesity, um, central overweight and obesity. And, and we know that these um, various health checks can really help to identify if an individual may have um, a risk factor for um, a, a chronic disease. Very good. A bit of a, an NCT type of uh, checkup, uh, as you say, available between now and Christmas, really, in the three yeah. pharmacies. Uh, and uh, <laughs> certainly uh, something people may think about. Uh, I read in your statement that 9,000 people die every year from cardiovascular disease in this country alone. It's a shocking statistic, isn't it? It really is. It's shocking. And we also know um, that these diseases are largely preventable. So through things like early detection and making small but um, simple uh, changes to your lifestyle. So it might be something around diet. It might be quitting smoking. It might be getting out and, you know, going for a walk a little bit more often. And they can really help to reduce our risk of chronic disease. And the other yeah. thing that's really important about these health checks is things like blood pressure cholesterol, blood sugars, they're, they're really silent symptoms for heart disease so you might not know that you have them um, and you know by you know popping into your, your, your local pharmacy if you're living in the area or of course if you know you're living anywhere in Mead you can um, contact one of the pharmacies and attend and it only takes about 20 minutes to have the full um, health check um, undertaken mm. and um, what's really great as well is that if you know an issue is identified it, you can then follow up um, with, your, with your own uh, local GP and get the support that you need. Or, you know, if it's, if it's kind of a simpler um, change, the, pharmacy, the pharmacists themselves will be able to provide um, lifestyle advice and support. Okay. Um, um, and I suppose another benefit of it is that after you attend your health check, uh, the pharmacist can, will follow up with you again about four to six weeks later and just check in to see how you're getting on and see if they can, um, you know, provide any more support to you. So it's not just you kind of mm. uh, attending the health check, getting some information and then forgetting about it. There is that follow-up care um, also provided through it. Very good. Great opportunity for people in Kells and Old Castle, I would think, Ashling. Uh, tell us a, a yeah. little bit about your newsletter before you finish up with us. Yeah, so every two months um, uh, we publish a Healthy Mead newsletter and it's available on the Mead um, County Council website or you can just Google Healthy Mead newsletter. And what it really does is it, is it signposts the different health and wellbeing initiatives that are happening in the county um, every, every two months. And it provides information on different resources and, inf and um, you know, campaigns that might be running through the Healthy Ireland um, programme as well. So that's also available uh, free. And if anybody would like a copy of this month, they can uh, pop me an email on community at meadcoco.ie. Okay, very good. Thank you indeed uh, for that, Ashling. That's Ashling O'Donnell, the Healthy Ireland Coordinator for County Meath. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMR. LMR.
As you've been hearing in uh, the bulletins uh, this morning, the Irish Business Against Litter League, that's IBAL, has published its annual survey of coasts and inland waterways. This is a study of 33 areas around uh, the country, just one of them uh, in County Louth, uh, indeed across our area of Louth and Meath, and that's uh, Clorer Head. Let's speak uh, now to Connor Horgan, who's spokesperson with IBAL. A very good morning to you, Connor. Thanks for joining Good us morning, on Mike. the programme today. Uh, and as uh, I take it, uh, most of our listeners would have heard at this stage, it's good news for Clarehead. It's good news for Clarehead. It was one of those uh, beaches that uh, improved year on year. Generally speaking, you know, we've had disappointment in that it was uh, obviously a very quiet summer on our beaches with the unsettled weather and really comparisons with last year are difficult to make. Nonetheless, too many of our beaches were littered. Um, fortunately, Clotterhead not among them. In fact, it gets an excellent report, much improved on last year. Um, there was a number of litter bin types available to separate and recycle waste, which is always great to hear. Mm. Um, there was uh, everything was in good order in terms of bins, the recycle facility, life belts, visitor information notices. Um, there was some minor food-related items in the car park. But generally, the area was very good with regard to litter. So that's a great report. All right. Uh, Well, it's a very popular beach, uh, especially because of uh, the lifeguard and indeed uh, the coffee shop there, um, which uh, maybe uh, people uh, have been visiting before discarding their rubbish. God knows what the story is there. But it's a beautiful beach, apart from anything else. All of our beaches in the country are are beautiful. And I'm sure everybody would like to see them clean when they arrive. And you'd hope that they'd leave them clean as they leave. One of the problems that you've been finding across beaches across the country this year though uh, is disposable vapes well disposable vapes are adding to a problem you know at a time when we're sort of desperately trying to reduce plastic pollution in our oceans we have this added problem now of disposable vapes not just in Ireland but across the world and I think the discussions that we're having here in Ireland about banning them are also happening across the world. Um, they're a very nasty litter item because they're very difficult to recycle. They contain chemicals, they contain single-use plastic, they contain electronics. So, you know, they don't easily fit in, as one of the sortable litter items. Mm. Um, you know, and we are seeing them, we're seeing them in one in seven visits, uh, inspectors encountered um these items on our coastlines that makes them more prevalent actually than in our towns and um, just because there's a, a you know a refillable alternative we think there's a strong case for banning them Right. Okay. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that when uh, we you're reporting on uh, the rubbish in towns uh, around the country. I'm sure it's not just uh, unique uh, to the beaches, but uh, some unique problems as a result of that. Uh, but uh, good news, as you say, for Clara Head, and uh, deservedly so, because it's an amenity that so many people enjoy locally, uh, as I think uh, many will testify. Connor, thank you for joining us on the programme today. Thank you. Connor Horgan, spokesperson for IBAL. That's the Irish Business Against Litter League. Now, let's uh, go to Hackett's Cross in County Louth, uh, where Angardashi Akana, uh, with uh, the assistance of the Army Bomb Disposal Team, dealt with a potential explosive device over the weekend. Let's speak uh, to local Sinn Féin TD, Rory Murakou. Uh, a very good morning to you, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. Uh, obviously, uh, this is of uh, great concern. Any idea of of what this was about? 
Um, well, you know what I mean? Obviously, it's absolutely frightening. Uh, I would have got a number of calls in relation uh, in relation to it. Uh, I would have obviously spoken to um, our local uh, representative and, and councillor, Tom Cunningham, in the area. He spoke of the people being incredibly worried. Uh, unfortunately, like to our head, as I say, what can, is usually a lovely, peaceful place, but on, unfortunately, um, over the last period of time, of course, we have had a number of incidents. And while this seems to be a, 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 an unrelated incident, uh, I, I spoke to um, the superintendent in Drogheda, and it may be connected to a, an ongoing investigation in relation to a, a number of uh, other incidents. Um, but look, when you hear the term pipe bomb, it's incredibly serious. Now, mm-hmm. we can all take a guess in relation to whether this is a threat. And again, even if this is a threat, you know, the, the implication is that there is uh, further to follow and it could be incredibly serious. And from what I know, um, that the lady of the house uh, found this device, which has been taken away by uh, the explosive ordnance, uh, the disposal people from the defence forces, um, and obviously they will be carrying out investigations in in relation to it. But it was found on Saturday in around twelve forty-five, and the belief is it wasn't there. Um, Friday, we would need anybody that has any information, no matter how harmless they think it is, on anything they may have seen uh, in the run-up to that and even afterwards and then anybody, if we're talking about dash cam uh, footage uh, in cars or whether we're talking about CCTV footage and everything and they can make contact with the Gardaí and the Gardaí are very good in these set of circumstances and they have also told me no difficulties in relation to discretion and whatever. It's just from a point of view of being able to follow up on the investigation and making sure they keep people incredibly safe. Because first of all... Mm. Sorry, you believe this though was uh, a viable uh, device? uh. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. That was intended to harm. The statement from the Guardian, the army says that the device was rendered stable and removed to a safe location. So uh, I take it uh, that it was a bomb. Well, 
Obviously, um, we've all seen before uh, where very clearly they state it was a hoax device and, and the fact that that isn't the case, right? We await what's going to happen as in the report from uh, the EOD. Um, but at this point in time, it all looks very, very uh, worrying uh, and we need to make sure we get to the bottom of it and more than, than that, we need to ensure that the investigation is provided with whatever help mm. it can because you're talking about, see, we're talking about a device that's left at a house or, or left somewhere yeah. here that could be anybody that picks it up it obviously could be a child and mm. um, connected to the family that's staying there it could be someone visiting it could even be the guy that's delivering something and um, from amazon or you know somebody working mm. for the postal service or anything okay is it your um, understanding it, though that this uh, relates to the drug trade i'm i'm unaware of that uh, particular information. Obviously, the Gardaí are not mm. releasing that sort of information. Obviously, the Gardaí are following down everything it possibly mm. can. Wouldn't be the um, first time that drugs gangs in this part of the world use pipe bombs or other weapons uh, for that matter, and it, it obviously would be a, a worrying development if we were going back down that old road. Uh, of course, and look, unfortunately, uh, the people of this county and particularly Drogheda are mm. away, and the wider area are well used to what can happen. And um, when you are talking about those particular gangs and that particular level of criminality, mm. um, and as I say, a huge body of work was done in relation to Operation Stratus. We know that policing alone cannot deal with, um, obviously, the issue in relation mm. to drug criminality, but it has <laughs> a huge part to play. But what I can say, what I can say, because you know, the Gardaí were absolutely clear in relation to this. They did not mm. see that this was in any way uh, connected to a uh, feud or any of those sets of circumstances. But look, anybody that's willing to use a pipe bomb, we're talking about mm. absolutely high-level criminality. We are talking about endangering people's mm. lives, so we need to make sure that every okay. resource is brought to bear. Well, I, I want to ask you, though, about what has been happening, apart from Operation Stratus or the other good work of Vanguard Shikana policing in uh, the area of uh, drugs, uh, trafficking or um, selling or dealing or criminality related to it uh, has been very successful in this part of the world. But an awful lot was promised following on from the Gearn report and then the establishment of uh, the Drogheda Implementation Board. Uh, I think there's a question over how successful has the Drogheda Implementation Board been uh, and we're going to be speaking tomorrow morning on the programme uh, with uh, the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee. Now we asked the Minister some weeks ago if uh, the Minister would like to debate the success or otherwise of uh, the Drawed Implementation Board with local opposition TDs on this programme. Uh, I'll ask you, first of all, uh, if uh, you uh, would be uh, happy to do that and would argue against what the Minister says has been a very successful programme. Uh, and secondly, then, were you surprised that the Minister announced last month that she's winding down the Drawed Implementation Board next September? Look, we, we all knew that the Drogheda Implementation Board was going to be operating within constraints. Uh, promises had been read, made in relation to the funding would be forthcoming for projects that were related to Drogheda. We know that there's been a huge level of, you know, um, successful funding from the point of view of the LMETB or even, you know, uh, obviously they did the launch in relation to that particular hub in Drogheda today, all very successful. Look, I have met the Drogheda Implementation Board a number of times and um, I know that there is a huge level of work to 
to be done. But I think we've spoken, Michael, before that like they're operating as well within constraints. I don't think that this state has got serious in relation to whether we're talking about um, the whole scenario where policing touches on to the early interventions that are absolutely necessary if we're going to tackle the issue of uh, criminality, drug criminality, and also like the underlying issues of poverty. That's where we really need to get serious about it. I have no doubt when you're talking to... Uh, Minister McEntee, that you'll be bringing up the issue of the Family Addiction Support Network, and, and I know that they've been in contact with her, as have I, and it's an issue that I will be following up because we are still nowhere next to near into that space where that they have any level of funding that you could even look at as being any way sustainable. Mm. And uh, again, we we all know of the huge uh, the huge support they have from Angarda Siakana, mm. and whether we're talking about Christy Mangan and others, but look, we've had this farcical situation where you have the Gardaí putting a huge effort into fundraising for an organisation that's doing a piece of work in relation to dealing with families that are dealing with drug debt intimidation or the outworking of addiction yeah. and look we, we could spend this next here next couple of hours talking yep. about the addiction services that aren't there and all those other necessary supports mm-hmm. uh, we know that the Drogheda Implementation um, Board will eventually cease what we've been promised is that these community safety forums that are to replace the joint policing committees and are to have more teeth and more of that multi-agency approach that they are meant to uh, take over so I would like to think that there would be some element of a timeline that we would have the Drogheda Implementation Board on to, uh, in, uh, to continue until the point in time that you've the community safety forums. And also, I have no doubt that uh, I'm obviously going to you know, make the argument as well that um, it's not only Drogheda and the wider that the, the, that wider South Loud area that is dealing with the issue of drug criminality, uh, like uh, we have spoken many times before in relation to very specific incidents in in the town of Dundalk and further, and we know that there are huge uh, cross border issues and and, okay. and and all the rest of it. Here, okay. here at this station, we're talking about here we're all dealing with you know what is a huge international um, business, and and sometimes we have a huge amount of people who are dealing with real difficulties, you know. On, on a ground level and families put under severe pressure but we're dealing today with what the outworkings of what could have been an absolute disaster in relation to pipe bombs they have no place in our society we need to make sure that all resources are given and anybody with any information to come to the Gardaí as I say it they will be very very discreet because I understand people are very very worried about these incidents Absolutely. sometimes they are afraid to come forward Absolutely. Okay. Well, as I say, we'll be uh, speaking to Minister McEntee in the morning, uh, and we hope that in the coming weeks uh, the Minister will participate in uh, a debate uh, with yourself and others on as to whether the Drogheda Implementation Board delivered on the scale that we were led to believe it would when it was in the process of uh, being established. Rory Muraku, thank you indeed uh, for joining Rory us Michael. on the programme uh, this morning. Rory Muraku is a Sinn Féin. TD for Louth and East Meath. Michael Reed on LMFM. As I mentioned earlier on, Colm Keane is uh, writing about Brother Edmund Garvey, uh, the freedom of uh, Drogheda that was bestowed on him in 1997 and how 10 councillors in Drogheda will vote uh, on this uh, a week from today. The headline is Councillors urged not to remove the freedom of Drogheda from Brother Edmund Garvey by sex abuse support group chief. That's Paul Murphy, the chairperson of Dignity for Patients. Unforgivable intervention 
prevention criticised by spokesman for men who suffered at the hands of uh, the Christian Brothers. This is Dignity per, for Patients uh, that uh, says it was outraged by the contents of the email written by Paul Murphy as uh, the chairperson of uh, Dignity for Patients. In that email to councillors, the Irish Times tells us today that Paul Murphy said Brother Garvey was a blameless person whose family is deeply respected in the town. Uh, we did ask Paul Murphy if he wished to speak with us on the programme today about the views that he expressed in that email. Paul Murphy uh, said that he has since resigned from Dignity for Patients and he would leave it to the group to respond. Uh, and we've had uh, a lot of response indeed from Dignity for Patients. Uh, I, I was speaking with Adrienne Riley this morning who's uh, the CEO of Dignity for Patients. Uh, Adrienne hasn't been well recently and we sent her our best wishes uh, and thank you as well for the lengthy written statement uh, that you sent to us uh, in that statement Adrienne says uh, that the letter that Paul Murphy wrote to Louth County Councillors in no way represents the views of our victims at Dignity for Patients or our board or our staff. We were totally unaware of uh, this letter and would never, ever have sanctioned it or supported it. By seeking the rescinding of the freedom of Adrada from Brother Garvey, Damien O'Reilly and the victims he works with are looking for symbolic reparation, a human right in the absence of all other justice pathways, both civil and criminal. Justice pathways blocked by the Christian brothers under Brother Garvey's watch with no nominated person to serve legal papers on any person who stops justice pathways for victims of sexual abuse carries blame and is not blameless just as Brother Garvey did. Dignity for Patients unreservedly supports all victims of sexual violence in their endeavours to seek justice. As I say, uh, that came to me this morning uh, from Adrienne Riley, the CEO of Dignity for Patients and many thanks uh, for that, Adrienne, with best wishes to you once again. Now let's speak uh, to Damien O'Reilly who supports uh, the people we're talking about. Uh, these are men now, middle-aged men, if you like, who as little boys were abused by Christian brothers. Uh, those brothers have been convicted uh, and uh, uh, some of them in jail. Uh, did I say, uh, I beg your pardon, Damien O'Farrell is with us. Um, my apologies, Damien. Uh, thanks uh, for coming into us uh, once again today. Um, were you surprised uh, by the article in the Irish Times today from Colm Keena that the chairperson of Dignity for Patients uh, was lobbying against what you're asking for? I think the response from the CEO was very clear though. Yeah, I was actually, I saw that email um, during the week and, 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 and I was numbed and I, was, I felt physically ill um, out of all the um, and I, I want to spread that this was a solo run by this man Paul Murphy but of all the vic, the advocacy groups in the whole world in the whole world um, the, 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 the experiences of the victims in Drada with Our Lady of Lourdes are the exact same as, as our experiences in Drada being shunned not listening to misrepresented or the exact same and for the chairperson to come out and, and to say that it was just um, but on a positive note I was coming up here and on the way this morning and I read the statement um, from Adrian that you just read out there and I actually got emotional um, 
and, and the first thing that came into my mind was I love you Adrian and then I was thinking of the Rocky film like it came from that and that, and it was like that like what has she said and I, and I feel like I've let victims down in the last 10 months because I haven't articulated it as well as Adrian has this morning um, I don't think anybody would agree with that. But, but I, I haven't, and she and she's she's. You're, you're I was talking to Adrian last night, and and I and I know she has her health issues, and and I want to send our love and from the victims' love out to her. And we, we have no truck with with dignity for patients, and uh, no truck. Um, it's the chairperson, and and he's gone now. And Adrian has given a commitment that that statement or words to the effect of the statement will be sent to all the councillors. And I think when the councillors read that and when they understand what's going on, I think they will support us. Um, Imelda Munsters, I sent something to Imelda Munster's office last night and her, her office has been on, Kenneth there, he's a great guy, had a lovely chat with him and I think he, I think he gets it, you know. So, so, and I want to send a message, I suppose, to um, to, to the rape crisis, to North East, to the board. Um, can, can, you, can you listen to that? I'll send you on the statement if the, if the board are listening. Um, you sent a statement, your board sent a statement to the Sunday Independent over the weekend saying that this was a matter for the local authority. It's not a matter for the local authority. We're not asking you to rescind the freedom of Galway or the freedom of Drada. You can't do that. We can't do that. It's nothing to do with us. We didn't ask you for that. For 10 months, we've been asking you to support us. That's all we want. Stand with us, support us. And there's Adrian there. She talks about pathways for justice being blocked. It's symbolic reparation. That's what we want. Your chairperson over the weekend said that the, the litigation strategy was oppressive and damaging. Well, why haven't you supported us? I was speaking to another great lady a few weeks ago, and I think she might be on her hall. I don't know where she is now. Great Grace McArdle. She's fantastic. Why isn't she on here? Why isn't she on here talking and supporting us? Why aren't you supporting us? I think you need to look at yourselves, the Board of Rape Crisis Centre in North East. You need to look with inside your hearts and see how you've let us down over these months, how you've let us down. And you need to come on here. You need to let Grace come on here and talk to us and talk to us and talk to the councillors and talk to the people of Drada. I'm not... Just to say... Uh, the victims are begging you, begging the people of Trotta to help them. Begging. They are begging the councillors in Trotta to help them to understand. Adrian is going to send you an email in the next couple of days and she explained it all and I couldn't. And the people on the board... Look, I don't, I don't want to say any more. Look, I've said enough um, about, about that. But as I said, I want to send, I send my love and our love to Adrian. And it's, this has been, she was on the floor yesterday. She, she has her health problems and she was on the floor when she, when she heard this. That her, and, and God help her, her, her victims. And all she thought about was, was our victims and her victims and the work that she's put into that charity. For, for it just could be, it could have been just destroyed. We were looking to take out an ad because of that, um, Article because of that email that the ch former chair sent, we were looking out. We were looking to take an ad out in the Drogheda Leader this week to correct the misinformation. It was going to cost us eight hundred euro. Now I don't know; they haven't got back to us. I'm sure it is going to be on Wednesday, but I'm, I'm not sure yet whether it is or not. But hopefully it will. And look, we're just looking for support. It's this is a simple thing, and I, and, I, and look, I, I, won't, I won't say any more for the moment. Um, but mm. thank you, everyone, Th and thanks for listening. Okay, um, Adrienne uh, described. 
what you're asking for uh, this call to rescind the freedom of Drogheda from Brother uh, Edmund Garvey as a symbolic reparation. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Rape Crisis Centre Northeast. Uh, that's one of the branches of a national network. Uh, the uh, coordinator of that is Cleona Sadler, who you mentioned as well, and I did read part of her statement earlier on. Uh, which said that while uh, the asterisk in it is retrospective, it has not been previously and it is not only a conversation about the past. It's very much about the behaviour of the order at the minute because they're obstructing justice, uh, as you've explained to us uh, very clearly many times on the programme. And th- that's all legally sound. Uh, Cleona Sadler says that the Christian brothers are on the right side of the law, but given the treatment of survivors now, it is appropriate in RCNI's view that society should be free to judge whether they are morally correct in this matter. This is not a matter about the original abuses as the process of criminal conviction and acknowledgement has already taken place. It's a question about how the order responds to the known and proven harms that it is responsible for today. Um, Just to go to another email that I read out earlier on, Ken Grace, who uh, was flogged with a a cat of nine tails uh, by a perverted Christian brother, uh, a part of uh, years of abuse. He's written an email to independent councillor Kevin Callan. This vote is to take place next Monday. You want to rescind the freedom of Drahada from Brother Garvey, Ken Grace has asked Kevin Callan not to do that. Yeah, and, and, and I'll come to that in just a second. Yeah. Just there's, there's two rape crisis sort of places. There's the Rape Crisis Network Ireland. That's their sort of overarching body. And that's that lady, uh, sadly, or is that yeah. her name, Cleanest mm-hmm. She's supporting us 100%. She just yeah. totally gets it. But the Rape Crisis Centre, the local one, Rape Crisis Centre, the Northeast, they're not, they're not, they haven't come out with us. They're telling us that it's a matter for the local authority. They don't understand what we're talking about. Mm. And we're trying to say it for 10, for 10 months. But now coming back to Ken, yeah, the, so the victims met the other night. And, and, and so the Labour, um, Labour people are coming with us now and we're really supportive of that and we're, we're hoping to get others. And, and one of the victims said, um, I don't want to be used by anyone now if, if people are, are coming onto our side now. And I, I don't want to be, I've been used enough. This was a lady, she was a wife of a victim. My husband has, has been used enough. And then Ken said that he would write to the, it was the, the one person I suppose they feel that has disrespected them the most. They were really upset by those comments uh, that was a kangaroo court and, 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 and he just won't listen to us and we've con- tried to contact him on several occasions and we just get ignored, Kevin Callan and there doesn't seem to be any, we feel any Christian empathy um, there and, and I'd and, and, and I love if he'd come on and, and, I, and I would debate him and we'll talk about Christ and we'll, and we'll talk about you know things about that. The word of God—that's the—that's the purpose of the Christian brothers. It's the word of God. It's not—it's not the victims. It's not their older members. It's not their work in Africa. It's the word of God. That's what we want. And we're also trying to protect the elderly members of the order. The elderly members of the order are getting high mm. court summonses from firms of solicitors. Mm. Like, it's just—it's anti-Catholic. It's anti-Christian. Mm. So Ken uh, wrote, on behalf of everybody, wrote out to uh, Kevin Callan and he said, if there's a vote next week, even if we were to lose the vote and we didn't get the freedom taken from Ken, you know, we don't want uh, Kevin, we don't want you to vote for us. Because we, we, cause in the, in, if you did vote for us, we'd feel that you were using us. But I'm not saying that you would mm. do that and I don't, I don't think for a moment that you actually will vote for us. You'll stay on your side and, and you'll support 
whoever you think you're supporting, but you're actually not supporting mm. anyone. But look... Well, you won't be debating this yeah, issue yeah. with Kevin Callan on this programme. I think that's almost certain. It's certain if it's not almost certain, because Kevin Callan told us a week ago no comment when we asked him to make a comment uh, on uh, the issue uh, and the issues before the vote, uh, and that he wouldn't be making any comment. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier on, I sent uh, a text uh, to Kevin Callan this morning uh, and asked him if he'd like to comment on Ken Grace's email to Kevin Callan asking the independent councillor Kevin Callan not to vote in support of victims because he's already hurt the victims of child sexual abuse too much at this <coughs> stage. Uh, Kevin Callan responded to me saying, Michael, I've already told you no comment. So I, I take it uh, that there won't be a comment from Kevin Callan. That's certainly the state of position at this stage. Uh, Kevin Callan probably has two votes in this because he gave a seat uh, to Declan Power and uh, Declan Power hasn't been making any comment. Another person who hasn't been making any comment is a Fine Gael councillor who was also uh, co-opted uh, to the council and is now the town's mayor, has never spoken to this programme and has never responded to us. Uh, not, not as much as saying no comment, uh, but that's Eileen Tully. Uh, and How do you believe um, Eileen Tully has yeah, behaved in you, all of this? Well, just, just to say to, to mm. those people, Declan Power is welcome. There's nine councillors that are welcome to support us. Uh, Declan, Declan Power is, is very welcome and so is Eileen Tully. Um, we have um, um, Michelle Hall at the moment and I want to say a big shout out and we have Emma Cutliffe and I want to say a big shout out to Paddy McQuillan who stood us, who stood with us from the beginning and also um, Maeve Yore and people have no idea of the amount of I, I don't know the, what, the, the abuse I don't want to say that's probably too strong a word but she has received abusive texts from councillors that, that um, may, Maeve Yore has got like you've no idea how she's a rock for victims of sexual abuse Maeve mm. Yore is but going back to to, 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 to Mayor Hall I, I've, see that's it's very hard for us to get her message out and that's why we were so upset with Paul Murphy who tried to who tried to send out a different message the chair it's, very, yeah, it's, very, it's yeah. very hard mm-hmm. to um, for us to send her and, and, and I don't think mm-hmm. um, Mayor Tully is aware of her message she mentioned during the week that we could have a secret ballot on Monday secrecy is the rock is the enabler of child sexual abuse that's quite um, it's, that's quite hurtful to say that for a public rep to say that to, mm-hmm. to victims and, and I think she also might, might, might have mentioned to the to the, to, to the journalist that sure what would it achieve for what's the it's, it's done you know, you know Mm. So she, it'd be great if she could come on. And okay, so, I, sorry, mm. sorry. The, the one thing about Eileen, she did give a commitment that this matter would be sorted out next um, Monday, and I, and I want to thank her for that. We and she, she mm. has a bit of passion. I saw it; she was upset, you know. Mm. So, so there is. I, I feel there's. There, we could have something yeah. there with Eileen, but as I said, those nine councillors are very, very welcome. Callan, mm. Kevin Callan's not welcome, and I'm sorry, Kevin, but it's it's, it's just too late, and it's just been too much hurt for these people. Too much. Okay, um, one of our, our listeners uh, suggesting that it'll be very interesting to watch how Eileen Tully votes, uh, given that her, her late husband, Oliver, was a principal in a Christian Brothers school. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Michelle Hall, who was uh, the mayor uh, at some time. Uh, one of three Labour councillors herself and Emma Cutlip, uh, two Labour councillors in Drogheda, issued a statement uh, over the weekend, which led to a headline in uh, the main 
again on Sunday, uh, former mayor, does you turn on this uh, because uh, Michelle Hall and Emma Cutlip uh, have issued a statement saying that they're going to support the motion to rescind the freedom of Drogheda. That's subject to a motion to rescind being on the agenda. Uh, and that's uh, an interesting part of that statement. We might come back to that in a moment, but I'm going to have to take a break. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we'll hear more about dignity for patients. In fact, we'll be speaking with Pat Cusack. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Yeah, David O'Farrell is uh, still with us uh, on the phone, Pat Cusack, uh, and uh, I think everybody uh, listening will know who Pat Cusack is and uh, what the main name means, certainly amongst the members of uh, Dignity for Patients. Good morning to you, Pat, and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, it's been Good a, morning, Michael. Good morning, Damien. It's been a weekend of many developments. Uh, what are your thoughts this morning? Wow. Uh, what a difference a week makes, I suppose, Michael, uh, considering... Um, the storm that blew up and getting to the bottom of it. it I'm much. I'm in a much better place this morning, and uh, I hope Damien sitting beside you there keeps his chin up and realizes that today can be a good day, and today is a good day that we're still fighting, that we're still making a difference, and making a difference to the victims. Be strong, brother, because uh, the hurt and pain we we've we've been hurt enough. Uh, just stay strong. Uh, the week, the weekend has been a bit mental, I suppose, Michael, with different developments. Do you believe uh, that Paul Murphy wrote to the councillors in your name when he said yeah. that? And do members of Dignity for Patients believe that he, he, he was speaking on their behalf when he told the councillors that he was the chairperson of Dignity for Patients? Well, as I said to you last week, Michael, I, I found it very hard to believe firstly that it actually happened even though I was factually looking at it. When I factually looked at the email I was the same way as Damien was, I was sick to the pit of my stomach and I said there is no way in uh, no way would any victim ever, ever be thinking like this. So all I can say now is in my opinion and, and uh, uh, Mr. Murphy uh you know, same on you, that's all I can say. But I'm giving kudos that he actually mm. resigned and stays away. Surely he was a maverick operating the way he was. But the okay. damage the damage which mm. he could have caused the dignity for patients. Well, I take I take it that councillors in Drogheda would uh, have uh, a lot of interest <clears throat> in what dignity for patients would have to say about this, and that dignity for patients would be very influential locally uh, because of how the group is made up. Uh, and if the councillors were being told uh, that Pat Cusick and other people who were uh, assaulted by Michael Shine don't want this to happen, uh, it would seem like a good argument to make to the councillors. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, look, it, 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 it's been, I've said it's been a good week because we have highlighted this issue. We have made change. I am sure there's going to be more change from when you're going to see, Michael, the vote will change. This will be rescinded. And it's about the bigger picture. As God bless poor Adrian Riley sent in this morning. Adrian's not good physically at the moment and she's very upset with all this carry on, uh, which was totally unbeknownst to her. And I just want to wish on a personal basis to Adrian Riley. Mm. She's a phenomenal woman who has continued the mantle for dignity for patients and all the victims. Or for ethos for drive is everything that Damien has beside you and myself and 
I just hope that she doesn't be hurting at home and that, that she can recuperate knowing that Dignity for Patients is in a better place this morning because of her statement, because of what they said, because of what they advocate. Mm. Uh, like, what, what they do is huge. Uh, her, her statement was in no way ambiguous. Uh, it's very clear um, that uh, she supports Damien and what uh, the victims uh, that Damien supports want, uh, and that is uh, for the councillors uh, to rescind the freedom yeah. of Drogheda. Is that yeah. the way you feel, and do you believe that's uh, the way all the members of Dignity for Patients would feel about this? Uh, absolutely. All... All, as we said last week, all victims of abuse, not just dignity for patients, not just the Christian Brothers groupings, all the hundreds of victims throughout this country will all be thinking the same way. You know? Mm. Uh, and it's about time, even Adrian, as distressed as she was this morning in writing that statement, and that took an awful lot out of her. She announced that we have to dispel this concept of our oh, poor Joe or poor Tom or poor father this or poor doctor the other uh, so look it's time gone by we have to deal with this issue get it out there get it sorted give closure to the victims to every victim there's no victim in the whole world as someone said this morning would would uh, would have agreed with what that man wrote to them cancers and it was totally totally out of order, totally maverick, totally underhand, and most hurt for all the I had a private call with Adrienne, uh, the CEO of Dignity for Patients, uh, yeah. myself this morning. I don't want to portray a trust. It was a, a, a private conversation, but I, I'm yeah. sure Adrienne won't mind me saying that uh, she is very upset at uh, the letter that was sent by Paul Murphy on behalf of Dignity for Patients. Apparently he resigned last week uh, as soon as Dignity for Patients became aware of this. She wants to undo what she believes is the damage that may have been done by that and to make it clear that the position of Dignity for Patients is that they support Damien yeah. uh, and the group uh, in their campaign to have uh, the freedom of uh, Drogheda rescinded and uh, that she's going to make that known to councillors and uh, uh, has thanked us because this is an important thing for talking about this as often because some of the councillors have been telling us uh, that uh, it's upsetting victims when we talk about it and uh, we haven't heard that directly from any victims not from Adrienne, not from yourself Pat uh, and certainly not from Damien and we have asked for victims uh, if they are upset uh, about this to contact us uh, we are beginning to wonder if that's the case at all or where that information came from. Uh, Damien, you want to come back uh, because uh, you've yeah, been just, listening to Pat there. And, he do, uh, and, I want, and I want to thank you very much, Pat. Like, you're saying all the right... Uh, you're, saying all, you're saying everything right. Like, we're on the same page. All victims are on the same page. There's no victims that would, that would block pathways to other victims. It just wouldn't happen. Okay. And one thing I want to say about the former chairperson, I want to challenge the former chairperson. And this is my own... Like, you gave your personal view as chairperson of... Um, dignity for patients. I, I want to give you my personal view as, as as spokesperson for a group of victims. At the beginning of your email, I felt that you used victims for dignity for patients. You used them. You bigged yourself up, saying you, what you've done for them, and then exactly. then you basically dismantled our campaign. And and, and I want to challenge you. And, and look, everybody, there's nobody that's a bad person. And and if you made a mistake, if this was an error and you made a mistake, I want to ask you. We'll send you, and Adrian will send you a copy of her letter that goes to the councillors, and it would be absolutely fantastic if you could follow up this week to the councillors. 
follow up and apologise on behalf of us, on behalf of yourself and reiterate what Adrian has said. You were the chairman of Adrian's group, Dignity for Patients, so you should be on the same page as Adrian. So if you could if you could reiterate what Adrian is saying, and Adrian is going to talk about the blame, he, the blame that, that Brother Garvey has. He's blocking our pathways to justice. This is symbolic reparation. We've no other... We've tried, we've written to, to, to Brother Garvey, we've contacted him. So the government minister wrote to him, like, it's been going on for five, six years now. And we're just tired. And, and it would be great if you could help if you could help mm-hmm. us, Paul, you know. And and I challenge mm-hmm. you to do that. If if you're genuinely if you genuinely, genuinely want to apologize to us and want to apologize to, to the victims and Adrian and Pat and all the victims in and, and for the good of all the work that you've done before, and I'm, I'm sure you've done loads of great work. And if you really genuinely mm-hmm. um show remorse for that, I would ask you to to write to the councillors in the same way along the lines of what Adrian is going to do. Okay, we'll leave that to Paul Murphy to contemplate. Plate uh, in uh, this uh, message to me, he said he apologised for any distress he caused to anyone involved in uh, the past few weeks, uh, and he doesn't want to do anything now that might cause difficulty for dignity for patients. But uh, you've sent your message loud and clear. Our time has run out. I'm sorry to say, but thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Yeah, and can I just say to, to the to the councillors out there? There's nine councillors: Sinn Fein, Fianna Fáil, um, Fine Gael. P- please support us. Please just just come to us now. Okay, Damien, thank you indeed. Thank you. Damien O'Farrell, uh, who represents uh, victims of childhood sexual abuse at the hands of Christian Brothers, and we were also speaking with uh, Pat Cusick, uh, uh, whose evidence uh, resulted in Michael Shine going to jail. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Well, American football came uh, to Dublin over the weekend and there was much support uh, according to the uh, Irish anti-war movement uh, support uh, that amounted to another breach of Ireland's neutrality because that support came from uh, the American army. Let's speak uh, to Jim Roach who's PRO with uh, the Irish anti-war movement and the founding member of uh, the Irish neutrality. Lee. Good morning to you, Jim. Thanks for joining us. Uh, there was a, a naval ship docked up a, a, in Dublin as well as a US military aircraft flyover, uh, and uh, you took exception to that happening in the city. Yeah, morning, Michael, and to your listeners. Yes, uh, look, we're delighted to, to, to see so many Americans here to support the football team and a wonderful event. But it, it's shameful that it's uh, accompanied by this uh, level of of um, military uh, c- coming into our waters and and um, onto our skies. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, Michael? I can hear you perfectly. Absolutely. Sorry, there was yes, some interruption there. Uh, so it, it it was truly shameful that that this happened. And uh, it's again, odd, isn't I it? Think it's, it's, uh, for, for, well, for, forgetting about the symbolism of it, uh, which I know you want to talk about and I want to hear about it, but wasn't it an odd thing for the American army to come uh, and uh, parade, if you like, uh, to celebrate American football? Yeah, it is odd, but I suppose it, it shows you the level of how militarised that country is and, and how militarised the world is becoming, doesn't it? Um and uh, it, it was really shocking, and I, I you know, just um, annoying in a way. It took away from the the kind of nice aspect of of the sport, and um, it shouldn't be happening, and it particularly shouldn't be happening given what's happening in Ukraine and elsewhere in the world. You know, mm-hmm. where uh, and of course, I, I feel the 
the government allowed this to happen, and it's part, and it has to be seen in the context of what Michael Martin. Uh, someone leaked it to the, the media some weeks back about uh, sending troops to to train Ukrainians to fire weapons, um, sending Irish troops to train Ukrainians to fire weapons. It's the same thing. It's it's this slow, slow crunching away at mm. uh, Ireland's neutrality and uh, involving us in more militarism, which is very dangerous. Okay, uh, well, there were weapons of uh, destruction, but why would you feel that their presence here would have uh, done anything to question our neutral stance? Well, beca- because it's part, it, it has to be seen, it has to be seen in everything else that's happened, I suppose, over the last year and a half, in that uh, Ireland and the Irish government in particular has been saying, you know, has let slip that they, they you remember the comments about not needing a referendum to, to join NATO. Then, of course, when they've they've had a, a fight back from with the polls and stuff, they've said, "Oh, we're not going to join NATO," but so we're we're just going to do all these other things, you know. So I, I think it has to be seen in a wider context here. Um, but I, I don't think, and I, I mean, I don't think militarism should be in any way associated with sport. Sport is sport, and it's great activity, and we all enjoy it. And people get great joy and, and live longer because of it. Uh, it's great to celebrate it, that level of friendly competitiveness. Uh, militarism isn't. We, we see, I, I don't know if you saw my letter in the Irish Times last week, but yes. the, mm. the numbers of people that the, that the Irish, Irish Times editorial had quoted from US officials of possibly as many as 500,000 uh, combined uh, Ukrainian and Russian soldiers either killed or wounded so far. Mm. I mean, the figures are colossal, and I averaged it out then. In my letter, I averaged this out over over every week. It would be quite to 6,400 every week. My God. I mean, it's yeah. shocking. And, that's, know, and, that's, no one, and no. that's before the use of cluster munitions, uh, which you were also very critical of in your letter to the Irish Times. Yeah, well, to be fair, to Irish Times, they, they had also acknowledged that, uh, that uh, you know, it, it, it controversially, they worked, used the word controversially, that, that the cluster weapons had died. And I made the point, it's more than controversial. This is, this is a killing more people. But also, uh, they're banned by most countries in the world, you know. Um, so, But the other thing is now, the F-16s are seen as the saviour, the, the introduction of the F-16s. And all we can say, Michael, with we don't know the figures, right? Mm. I, I've, I've done a search this morning, and there's various claims. We don't know the figures, but what we know with certainty is that the more militarized the war becomes, the more uh, armory, sophisticated armory that's pumped into it, the more human beings are getting killed. And these 500,000 people, if it is that high, are fellow human beings, both whether they're Russian or Ukrainian. And it is just devastating the way that, and shocking the way this conversation about this has become so normalized. You know, we, we just let's quote these figures off uh, as if it's uh, an easy thing to talk about. It shouldn't be easy. It should be, we should be approaching this with horror and revulsion and doing everything we can to find ways to, to get a ceasefire and stop this war. Okay. Jim, we have to leave it there. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Jim Roach, PRO with the Irish Anti-War Movement, is also a founding member of uh, the Irish Neutrality League. Uh, Before we go today, just uh, some of uh, the comments uh, that have uh, been coming to us. Um, We'd uh, Tom and Cal saying, whoever gave a Christian brother the freedom of Drogheda 
uh, should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, thanks, uh, Tom. Um, well, I suppose Brother Edmund Garvey has done nothing wrong, uh, but there's a question mark about... Uh, how charitable or otherwise it was to introduce this strategy that stops victims from being compensated and uh, that was given by Fergus O'Dowd and the other members of uh, the Toronto Borough Council at the time. Fergus O'Dowd now says uh, it should be rescinded. Margaret says there's nothing Christian about the Christian brothers if they're preventing justice for the abused. Have they forgotten their own teaching? An eye for an eye. Is Ireland a fair country for justice? What's happening and being allowed to happen is a disgrace and it's time our government changed the law to prevent Christian brothers from denying justice to the abused. Nobody should be above the law, no matter who or what they are, especially if you live in a democracy. Thank you, Margaret. That's our programme for today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme. Tomorrow morning at 9am, right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.